So today's gospel, uh, well actually we'll look more at today's first reading from the book of uh, Ezra, right? It's uh, very interesting. Just you need a small bit of historical context to understand what's happening. So the Israelites lived in the Holy Land, right? And they were taken uh, captive exiles to Babylon, okay? So they lived in Babylon as exiles, trying in some way to, to preserve their faith, uh, longing for their homeland and yet in, in hindsight they managed to see this as a time of purification so they're, they're, they're not in the Holy Land they're in modern day Iraq in Babylon and they, they, they long for home now we heard a couple of days ago in the readings that uh, Darius king of Persia decides to free them he just feels in, inspired remember he's, remember he's a pagan he's not a Jew he decides to let them go home and rebuild their temple okay so this, this happens then under uh, Ezra and Nehemiah that they go home and they start to rebuild the temple back in in Jerusalem back home so they're freed from exile so that's about the year uh, 300, uh, 538 BC so they're, they, they head on home uh, and rebuild Jerusalem and the temple most importantly and then finally the city walls around it okay so that's the historical context now Ezra recognizes in this he recognizes God's providence he recognizes god leading them even though he if you will permitted the exile so he permitted that that they be taken from their home from this land given to them by god so this land is given to them by god so it's it's their land it's where they're supposed to live uh, and now they're exiled from it so what happened well what happened is is what we're all prone to as soon as the lord blesses us with health and wealth we forget him very often when things are going well we forget him actually we begin to see ourselves as the cause of our own well-being and ourselves as the, as the cause of our own success and we pat ourselves on the back for being pretty amazing forgetting that all that we have is a gift from god and this is I, again we've, we've mentioned this a few times but this must be an absolute kind of dilemma for God if I bless them with what they ask for they forget me and if I don't bless them with what they ask for they say I've forgotten them you know so think of how how it is with, with our with our parents or how it was with our parents where as children you know maybe I remember coming home from mass on a Sunday myself and my brother would always ask our parents you know we'd open our eyes as wide as they would go and say mommy were we good at mass because if we were good at mass we got an ice cream on the way home so were we good at mass were you good at mass? Uh, and then my mom would turn to me and say, you're 27. Grow up. <laughs> Joking. Um, but like, you know, we used to, you know, if we were good, we wanted a reward, you know, or we'd, we'd go to mom and dad and ask for, for everything and anything. And often, and they would rightly say no. Because I remember as a, as a nine-year-old asking dad if I could use the angle grinder, right? This machine designed to sever limbs in a millisecond, okay? So he said, uh, No or using the welder, or using the chop saw, or using the chainsaw, or using, you know, a anything that could cut my fingers, limbs, head, brother, uh, off. Um, uh, you know, they would say no, rightly so. But that wouldn't stop me going back to ask for the next thing, you know? So similarly with God, just because God says no to certain things doesn't mean we shouldn't go back and ask for the next thing. Just because God has said no to a certain issue, to a certain thing, to a certain prayer or intention, uh, doesn't, this, doesn't mean he has forgotten me. It means that ultimately that thing 
that I prayed for. It wasn't for my greatest good. It wasn't for my greatest good, which is heaven. That in some way this could have actually been a distraction. This could have actually endangered my soul. Maybe this person uh, who I wanted to start a family with wouldn't actually have been a good person. Maybe this job that I've always wanted would have actually led me to moral compromise. Maybe living in this place uh, would have actually led me away from him. Who knows? Whatever the circumstances are, the Lord knows we don't. We pray, we give our intention to him, and then the Lord will direct it as he will, because he does want what's best for us. Now, when the people were, were, were exiled, Ezra here, uh, in, in the reading, he's very honest, and says, My God, I am ashamed. I blush to lift my face to you, my God. For our crimes have increased until they are higher than our heads, and our sin has piled up to heaven. Our sin, not our prayers, our sin has piled up to heaven. From the days of our ancestors until now, our guilt has been great. On account of our crimes, we, our kings and our priests, were given into the power of the kings of other countries, given to the sword, to captivity, to pillage and to shame, as is the case today. So he's saying, Lord, you gave us all this land and you blessed us. And with that, that land and with that blessing, we squandered it. And very, very often the prophets had to call the people back from idolatry. Stop adoring other gods. I mean, this land that you, that you farm, that you, that, you, that you live on, is given to you by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not by Baal, not by Astarte, not by these other gods who don't actually exist. They're demons, if anything, but they're not gods. Because there is only one God. Stop. Stop falling into idolatry. And you have to call them and call them and recall them back from idolatry. So there were huge, there were huge problems. Then there was an awful tendency, as we see also in Jesus' time, to focus so much on the law, on ticking the box of the law, that they'd forget the love. They'd forget charity. They'd forget to take care of the widow and the orphan. They're so obsessed with their law. You know what I mean? I'm not allowed to work on a Sunday, so I can't help you. You're starving. That's a pity. Now I'll go pray, <laughs> you know, and, and forgetting that, hang on, that the law never, should never forbid you from doing something good on a Sunday. You know, if your ox or your donkey needs to drink water, would you not let them off on a Sunday to drink? Yes. So I heal a man on a Sunday, and that's considered breaking the law. Healing is breaking the law. Like Jesus is looking at them and thinking, you've completely misunderstood my father's law, what, what my father has given to you. He's not forbidding you from doing good. Ever. You know, don't hide behind the law. Don't hide your laziness or your pride behind the law. You've missed the point. Okay, so, so Ezra is recognizing that they fell into all sorts. They fell into idolatry. They fell into superficiality. They fell into an awful lot of pride. They forgot the giver of all gifts. They forgot God. And because of that, the Lord allowed the, the northern ten tribes uh, so of the 12 tribes of Israel to be invaded and annihilated to this day they don't exist anymore and then the tribes around Jerusalem the tribes of Judah they survived but were taken into exile and now return so he's saying we're being, we were being punished because we forgot you we forgot you I think this leads us to one uh, just in English it's two or three words which are just so critically important for any of it, for all of us. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To be able to say these words is so important. And for, for, for some of us, or maybe on certain occasions, for us it's very difficult. Certain people find it really, really hard to say, I'm sorry. And immediately, when, something, when a situation occurs where something has gone wrong, and I recognize that my behavior wasn't as it should have been, what I can do is, I can go to, well, I did my best with what I knew at the time. So I did, you know, from what I was aware of at the time, that's why I behaved the way I did. Okay. But now that you know better, now that you know the fuller picture, should you not be sorry that your actions or your lack of action, at times as well there's a lack of action. I saw someone needed help and I did nothing. I saw there was a need and I walked on. You know, that's, that's as bad as actively offending someone deliberately. You know, I see someone as need and I go, oh, there you go. Life is tough. So I, I recognize need and I, I don't intervene at all. Now surely I recognize I should have done something. Now that I know better, surely I should say, I am sorry. I'm sorry that my action or my lack of action hurt you. And this, see, I think that was part of the reason we find, well, the main reason we find this difficult is good old-fashioned pride. Right? Pride. I don't like being wrong. I don't like getting things wrong. I don't like having to say, I didn't know at the time, and so I made a wrong decision. That decision hurt you. I'm sorry. I don't like saying that. I don't like saying I didn't know. I don't like saying... I wasn't aware of all the details. I don't like saying I made a wrong decision. I don't like saying I'm not perfect. Not, not, not that I go around saying I'm perfect, but I kind of want to give the impression I'm perfect. I want to give the impression that I know. I want to give the impression that I'm confident. I want to give the impression that I'm responsible, that I'm, that, that, that I'm competent. And if I say I'm sorry in some way, that kind of seems to, to highlight the fact that, well, you got something wrong. You're not perfect. And now you're, um, when I say I'm sorry, I'm saying it out loud. It means someone else now knows that I'm not perfect. In myself, I'm well aware that I'm not perfect. But I don't want everybody else knowing. You understand the difference? So in myself, I can be like, oh, shouldn't have done that. Whereas outside, I'm like, yeah, well, tough. <laughs> Instead of saying inside myself, I'm like, oh, shouldn't have done that. And outside saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Made a mistake. Sorry. It's actually very easy to say. It's actually very freeing. Once you get into the habit of it, don't say it too much. I said, don't say it, but you know, don't say it all the time. But say it when when you're wrong. Like, don't go around like saying you're sorry for everything and anything. It's very Irish, by the way. You know, someone bumps into you. Do you ever notice that Irish people were terrible? Someone will bump into you and you go, oh, I'm sorry. And you kind of catch yourself. Well, why do I say I'm sorry when they bumped into me? Huh. But, <laughs> sorry, could I get the bill? <laughs> sorry, could I pay you? <laughs> we're very we're very strange in Ireland. Uh, we, we apologize for everything, except what we should apologize for, except when we're actually wrong. You know, then say, I'm sorry. And the interesting thing is, I was just thinking about this this morning. If you look back over some of the greatest saints, some of the most influential people in the church over the history, of, or, or over the, its very early history as well, they were people who made mistakes, got it wrong, apologized and became amazing. Like, think of St. Peter, right, who on numerous occasions misread the Lord, misunderstood the Lord, and then at a crucial moment when the Lord, his friend, 
needed support, needed someone to look at him in this torm- through this torment and this storm and this, this, this situation, this context of anger and violence. And what a consolation it would, would have been for the Lord, for St. Peter just to stand there and you know, just, just to see him and to nod, to give him that kind of manly nod where we men, we know what that means when a man looks at you and goes, we know what that means, right? You, you, you girls, you don't know this. <laughs> this is a man thing. <laughs> but it's that nod of, I'm there with you, brother. You know? And how, what a consolation that would have been for Jesus, and he didn't do it. He wasn't there. He denied, not only that, he, not only did he, did he run away, he actually denied him. And for the rest of his life, that, I am convinced St. Peter was aware of that. He would have known that. He would have known, I could have. The Lord has forgiven me. I'm not beating myself up over it. But Lord, I would be forever grateful to you for your mercy. St. Paul, the same way. Who did the best with what he knew at the time. But what he knew at the time was leading him to persecute the church. You know, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus says to him. So you can't say, well... I'm a Pharisee. I was told to do this. This is the best of what I knew at the time. So there you go. Just using the intelligence you gave me. It's kind of your fault. (laughs) Right? Instead of saying, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. I persecuted the faithful. I'm sorry. You think of St. Augustine. You think of St. Patrick, who was embarrassed of, of how in his youth he had forgotten God. So many saints. So recognizing our need to say sorry is a good thing. It's a good thing. It helps us overcome our pride. It helps us overcome that, that need, that, that persona that we feel we have to project of perfection and competence. And maybe, yes, there are times you don't know the answer. And maybe there are times you got the wrong answer. It's okay. It's all right. The world will not fall apart. Say sorry and get on with it. This is, it's so important for ordinary relationships. It's so critical for marriage. Also for religious life. If yeah, People in religious life who can't say sorry, you're living with the same people all the time, working with the same people all the time, and mistakes happen and nobody says sorry. Everybody says, okay, everything is okay. We have to get on with things, don't we? Everything is fine. It's just fine. We're happy here. <laughs> and the misery and the briars and the brambles and the anger and the resentment and the desire for revenge and it all just seeds inside it. We're fine. Peace be with you. Do you know? And it's just... So, a little I'm sorry. It's amazing the good it does in community life, in religious life and, and, and in marriage. You know? It's so important and so simple. I had a a priest friend who, who um, in his apartment was absolutely pristine. Like everything had its place and it only went in that place ever. He could tell if you walked through, without touching anything, he could tell if you walked through his apartment because the pile on the, the, the carpet would be turned in different directions from your footsteps because on his way out he deliberately dragged his feet forward to have all the, the carpet falling the same way, Right? Okay, he had he had to have. I mean, he always had to have the best of shoes, best of suits, best of everything. I mean, mm-hmm, everything was good, perfect, because inside he was an absolute mess, and so he needed to project this persona of perfection. 
because inside he suffered from all sorts of addictions. He struggled with alcohol. He struggled with, with, with the internet. He struggled with his prayer life. He struggled with his superiors. He struggled with absolutely everything. But everything had to look good on the outside because he was such a mess inside. And he found it really, really difficult. I actually never heard him say, I'm sorry. And he did hurt people. In religious life, he hurt a lot of people. But just couldn't bring himself to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's so healing. And as I say, in saying it, we actually free ourselves from the, this, this fake persona of perfection or facade of perfection. We free ourselves from that. Yes, we're supposed to be perfect because our Heavenly Father is perfect. That's not the, the Lord saying to us, you have to be proud and never get anything wrong. And if you do get something wrong, don't tell anyone. Keep it, into your, keep it to yourself and pretend to be perfect. That's not what he's saying. Ezra the prophet here today. My God, I am ashamed. I blush to lift my face to you, my God. For our crimes have increased until they are higher than our heads. Our sin has piled up to heaven. And every time we go to confession, we get to hear the words through the mouths of the priests. And I absolve you from all of your sins. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace.